You're listening to Season 1 of Teaching Yoga, a podcast by me, Cora Giroux. I believe yoga teachers are on the front line of health and healing in the Western world, so I created this podcast to support the people that support the people. Each week we cover topics that matter to you, like inclusivity, accessibility, and diversity, how to make a sustainable living doing this work, and how we as teachers can be a positive voice in the changing landscape of yoga. This show is a space for real, raw conversation, a place to remind you that you're not alone, and a resource for your life and work on the spiritual path. If you want to stay connected between shows, find me on Instagram. It's just my name, C-O-R-A-G-E-R-O-U-X. I haven't yet, yeah. We had to bet. I'm only here, yeah. You know. If you don't like this music, then don't be listening to it. You know, I'm just a dude that you know, or something similar. If you don't keep it real, can you? Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Yoga Podcast. On today's show, I speak with Mark Bredner about becoming a yoga entrepreneur. Mark is the longest ongoing serving yoga educator in Australia. He's been doing that for over 20 years and has educated and trained personally over a thousand yoga teachers. He has created and designed teacher training packages for Heart of Yoga Sydney, Nature Care College, Body Mind Life Sydney, and Yoga Coach. Mark has also worked and traveled with Olympic gold medalists and world champions as a personal yoga trainer, and he currently works with CEOs in the same role. Mark has dedicated his life to seeking and understanding true yoga, which he unpacks a little bit in the interview. And he spent much of his life in India at the feet of high-level teachers learning the science of yoga and how it can transform a human to their highest possibility. In this interview, Mark and I talk almost 100% business. Um, for context, I know Mark um, just, you know, from being in the same sort of area. Mark has been here in Sydney, where I am, for um, quite some time. He he now lives in Bali. But one of my good friends, um, <laughs> which I'm sure we'll have on the podcast at some time, shout out Ryan, if you're listening to this, one of my good friends is Mark's protege. Sorry, Ryan, if you, if you hear that and you don't like that term, I don't know what else to call you. You can, maybe you're his sidekick. So I've got a lot of, um, I heard a lot of really great things about what Mark is doing through my friend, Ryan. And I really wanted to talk to Mark about business and yoga because he has really embraced full-heartedly both of those things. And you'll hear me in the interview talk about how we as yoga teachers, myself included, right, have sometimes struggled with this concept of merging the worlds of yoga and business together. And Mark, I think, does that really, really well. So um, in this show, we actually um, talk about that. Like, and Mark says he thinks it's ridiculous that yoga and money and business that we have a, uh, an idea that maybe they don't go together. He thinks that's just ludicrous and totally dispels that myth. Mark also talks about why he thinks the studio model is collapsing and what teachers need to focus on instead. 
Mark also shares his best advice for how to navigate the transition from employee mindset to entrepreneurial mindset. And this is something that I know a lot of you are struggling with right now. So if you have questions about it or concerns about it, or there are specific areas where you're tripping up in this mindset shift from you know, thinking about teaching yoga like a job and then thinking about it like a business, reach out to me, send me a DM on Instagram, send me an email. This is something that I think a lot of us are going through right now. And as I share in the interview, um, I've always been entrepreneurial. It's just something that has been built into my DNA. I think, (laughs) you know, I share that I was like holding events as a five-year-old kid and making my neighbors pay a dollar to come to my event, which is not a normal thing. So if you're struggling with this transition from employee to entrepreneur, let me know how I can help because I really want to know where you're getting stuck. And, And Mark shares a little bit about that as well. Um, We also talk about why choosing your niche is essential um, in creating a successful business as a yoga teacher. And Mark shares how he thinks that yoga teachers can actually differentiate from fitness instructors. And it's not something I had thought about personally, so I like his approach in that. Um, Mark shares something about why he thinks financially empowered yoga teachers, having more of those would be an incredible thing for the planet. And then he actually just casually drops some numbers, like how much you could expect to spend to acquire a lead through Facebook advertising. And if that sounds totally confusing, don't worry. I've just started learning about this stuff myself as well. Um, And he also shares how much you can expect to make, how much revenue you can expect to make from every subscriber on your email list. I did the quick calculations in my head when he said it. So you might want to do that as well. Um, and I think it's it's something that is really interesting to actually have numbers um, shared because it's not something that we hear very often in the yoga world. And I appreciate his frankness with that. So if this conversation with Mark about being in business and being an entrepreneur as a yoga teacher is something that you're interested in, or you have more follow-up questions on, let me know. This is really what the teachers club has become. Um, and I was totally picking up what Mark was putting down. Um, we're speaking a lot of the same language, so you can either reach out to Mark if, if he resonates with you, or if you have questions, you know, just hit me up on Instagram or send me an email and we can chat about it. Okay. So before we actually get into the show, um, I just wanted to let you guys know, I mentioned it on the last podcast. So if you're a regular listener, you may have already heard about it, but I've actually created a workshop all about how to build a community on Instagram. And if you want that workshop, it is totally free. It's just me and my face. And so if you're always listening to the podcast and you want to actually, um, see me talk uh, and teach about Instagram, then you can head over to my website. It is coragerucom slash Instagram workshop. And in that workshop, I teach you my strategies for how to reach your first thousand followers. And we all know that this shift from employee to entrepreneurial mindset, we really need to have a community in order to create a viable product and offer later on. So if you are in the very early stages of thinking about your teaching like a business, creating a community and building an audience is one of the first things that I recommend that you do. Even if you don't have a really clearly mapped out business idea yet, just get started building your community. Um, And 
there's a lot more to it than that, but that's a really great first step. And if you want that workshop, it's uh, on my website, coradrew.com slash Instagram workshop. It'll also sign you up to my newsletter so we can stay in touch that way. Okay, enough from me. Let's get into the show with Mark Bredner. Hey, Mark, thank you so much for coming to the show today. Yep, thanks, Cora. Looking forward to it. Um, you you have an incredible history as a yoga teacher and a yoga practitioner um, and as a coach and a business person. And I was just wondering for anyone listening who perhaps isn't familiar with your work and what you do, could you just give us like a brief background and like, you know, like how you started practicing yoga and then what you're really focused on today? Okay. Well, I'll start with where I am now and then reverse engineer it a little bit. That'll make more sense. And I, my focus now is to not necessarily work with yoga teachers, but yoga entrepreneurs. And the reason behind that is to take yoga as a transformation system and to be able to increase their personal power, impact, and profits. So we run a program. We're the only ones that we know on the planet that do a complete education to monetization program because the problem is most yoga teachers are broke and they don't know how to do business. So, and there's the issue that the way that yoga has been taught and commercialized and watered down, it's seen as an alternate fitness offering by most people in the market. And that is its own, the industry's own fault. Uh, and it's also the registration bodies because they set the standards very ambiguous and low. So now the market is super saturated and most people see it as a fitness offering. So with it being already saturated, they also have to compete against the fitness industry. So value goes down, the wages go down, it's that whole kind of spiral. So my evolution to that, like the business side is really the last five years I've been really, really focusing on that. But my evolution of it, I was very fortunate. My mum was one of the first teachers in Australia and I started when I was five and I... um. You can ask me a really cool story about how that loops around later on, like the lineage of those teachings. But I started when I was five and it's always been part of my life. And I started apprenticing with mom when I was 15. I started my own teaching classes when I was 18. I'm 55 now. So I've been doing it for a long time. Uh, I was running teacher education longer than anyone in Australia over 20 years, like 20,000 hours of training. And you know, I had my my version of dysfunction when I was, you know, in my teens and I felt like everything looked good from the outside, but inside I was really struggling. I was lost. I was empty. I felt dis disconnected, disempowered, and it all came to a head and I got really sick. And because of that, turned my life upside down. And then I realized, you know, I'd bought into the thing that asana was the answer. And if I could master all these complex fancy pants poses that somehow my life would be better and it was a lie it it didn't change you know there was so much there was something else that needed to happen so you know I packed my bags I went off to India and I started looking for these people that embodied what I understood as yoga and I found these incredible beings that you know they had stable love stable peace they were doing incredible work in the world they were feeding thousands of people they were building schools and ashrams and and then I asked myself the question <laughs> like what are they what are they practicing that I'm not practicing what do they know that I don't know 
So really, I dedicated 30 years backwards and forwards to understanding what it was and working with them to create a modern life coaching system I call Yoga Life Coach. And then the second part of it was about eight years ago, I was really losing traction in the market because, you know, I had a lot of knowledge, a lot of skills, more than most, but I'd always fill my courses up from word of mouth and and now it's starting to fall away because there's so much competition with teacher training. Uh, you know, the 200 hours, they were out everywhere and it wasn't really hard to get yourself set up. So people didn't know the difference. And then what people were, were filling their courses because they knew how to market, they knew how to do social media, they knew how to connect to an audience. And I didn't know how to do that. And I felt like I was going backwards. And I was thinking about renouncing, like, stuff this, right? And I was going to just become a swami and I was really had one foot in the door there. But then I realized I had these incredible teachers. I started early. I had all this wealth of knowledge from my lineages and I needed to do that. So I just decided that I would do like I did when I left for India and go and find the gurus of yoga and what they were practicing, that I would spend the money, invest and do the time to learn off the business gurus. So I really immersed for the last five years, understanding how to take education online because everything education-wise going digital and how to do that to do it properly so that you can have a voice, you can package up your skills and you can increase your profits and you can do it from anywhere in the world. So that's where we bring those two things together. Yeah, and that's, that's thanks for being transparent about that and like the whole process um, of being able to, you know, at one point fill your trainings via word of mouth and then you know having the self-awareness and reflection through your yoga practice to be able to look at it and be like okay that's not working anymore try something new and forge a new path and i'm i'm actually really inspired by you doing that because you're someone who from my outside perspective like one of my good mates i think is your I don't, I don't know what to call him, your sidekick, Ryan, or, or your protege. But um, so he and I have, he and I have whatever, whatever role you want to assign to him. He and I are good friends. And, and he's told me a lot about what you do. So from that sort of external perspective, you have the grounding in yoga through your history and your practice and your study. But you're also not afraid to embrace the business side of of running a, a yoga, you know, business, because that's what we have anyway, as yoga teachers. And I don't see a lot of people who are straddling both of those things. It's either like you're all business or you're all yoga, but being open and transparent about both is quite rare. And at least in what I've seen, um, and I, I hear this from a lot of teachers and I have a feeling you might as well, that it feels sometimes like yoga and business don't mix. Um, but I see you mixing them and I'm, I mix them. So, but you're further, you know, you're further along the path than I am with both of those things. So I was just wondering, like for anyone out there listening, who's maybe a yoga teacher and they want to be a yoga entrepreneur, but they're not yet. And they're struggling with the whole idea of sales and selling and making money as a yoga teacher, do you have any, like, how, what do you say to that person? <laughs> I say that when they make that comment that yoga and business don't mix, that it's a ridiculous statement because 
if you're going to do a yoga teacher training, what people don't realize is that then then they're a solopreneur when they graduate, right? They're an entrepreneur, but they have no business skills. And oftentimes in a training, they tack 10 hours on because it's part of the regulation, but they just teach you how to set up a social media account or, you know, how to set up a website. And like, that's, that's kind of useless. So most people just default to the studios because they don't know how to do anything else. And then the studios make all of the money. Fair enough. They take the risk. They set it all up. But what we do is we say that you need to be able to <coughs> master what we call the inner game, the outer game, and bridge those two together. So the inner game is you. That's yoga. Like learning, because if you're going to do business, you need to have a voice. You need to feel confident. You need to stand in your authority. You need to have a niche. You need to solve problems. And when we're caught up in our own limitations, the little voices in our head, if they're there and it's part of your history, you never get to be successful because it's on loop. So you can do the best best business program in the world, but if you've got those loops which are largely unconscious, it's always going to lead you to the same place. So we say before you do the business, learn to master the inner game, and that's what yoga is really about. It's, a, it's about evolving yourself and recognizing your genius, recognizing your gifts and talents, and then we teach you how to package it. We call it your soul frame so that you know exactly what your message is, like what your gifts are, and then how do you match it to your niche? How do you solve the problem for the exact right person? And it's ridiculous to say they don't match because I say that yoga and money are a perfect combination because people that do yoga, they're more inclined to give back and be of service because they recognize everything as an underlying unity. So if you can get yogis that are properly educated and they know their superpowers and they can package it, you can make a ton of money, but then you loop it back into providing more impact. If you have no voice, if you have no money, you can't have an impact. So it's super important. So then we just say then we teach you how to do the outer game because that's really three things. You need to know how to attract clients. You need to know how to convert them and you need to know how to retain them. And there's a, there's a lot of components in that that add up to having a successful you know, online business and create best-selling virtual events. So we transition from doing that traditional model of teaching um, classes at studios, which is a dying model, to be able to create best-selling virtual events. And if I say virtual events, I'm talking about virtual workshops, online courses, masterclasses, virtual summits. So if I say virtual events, I mean kind of all those things. And the ceiling's the limit there. The impact you can have is incredible because you're accessing a global market. It's targeted. And the two together are very, very um, powerful and, and, and totally necessary and it's the tipping point now. You need to have that to be able to, you know, move forward in uh, like the future of yoga. It's all education is going digital. Yoga yeah. is no different. It doesn't mean you don't do, off, you know, offline offerings as well, but that definitely needs to be an element of what you're doing. It's so cool to hear you say that. I actually, I wrote a note in my phone today about why I think yoga and money go together. And it was very similar to what you just said. It's like, if we can have people who have ethics and a conscience and a heart who are actually financially empowered, 
then those are like the best people to be financially empowered. Um, because as you said, they'll loop it back into doing good things. And if you don't have um, resources, you know, you can't actually have that impact um, or at least not in the same way. That's one of the things that I say to people. Um, so when I'm in India and I, I referenced it before is my Guruji, who's just a very simple man, no shoes, just, you know, white cloth, they just meditates a lot but but this thing from their soul once you connect beyond the mind and the soul is expressing i mean they're feeding thousands of people every day they're building schools hospitals educating i think 18,000 kids now and it seems like they're not even trying but the point about that is how do people how do, how do you think they do that like that costs a lot of money Right? How do you feed thousands of people? It costs money. And it's a different system. Yeah, a lot of it's coming through donation because it's set up different, but it doesn't change the system of a lot of money's coming in because they're providing value. And then you can do whatever you want with that money. Simple as that. Yeah, it's such a good reframe. Thank you for sharing that. I think I think a lot of people will probably be like rewinding and listening to that over and over again because it's it's something that I've heard so many times from teachers that I'm around about, you know, reconciling business, money and yoga all together. Um you said something really interesting that I've been thinking a lot about and speaking about and would love to get your perspective on what is happening with the studio model. Like I know in one of your um, IGTVs, you talk about the studio model collapsing and I agree. I'm a previous studio owner and have, you know, been following really closely all the closures that have been happening um, amidst COVID, but the, the permanent closures as well. And it's like every week I get a notification about a new studio or a new group of studios closing. Um, but I would just love to get your perspective on that. Like, you know, what's happening with the studio model. And then you've um, sort of, alluded to everything going online can you just speak about like sort of how you see that shift happening yeah i mean the studio model like every business evolves no what matter what it is every model of it and this is just where yoga is heading now like the studio model you know 20 years ago you know i've owned two studios and sold them and they were very profitable and if i was graduating teachers 20 years ago even 10 years ago and they wanted to do a studio model i would point them in that direction to do that now i would say no that's a very poor option to choose because again it's completely saturated and and they're going up against the fitness industry because you look at it every gym offers yoga and if you can go and pay 50 dollars a month for your gym membership with unlimited classes plus lots lots of other offerings as opposed to doing you know $24 a class at a yoga studio, it just doesn't make sense. And once upon a time at the gyms, there were people like were beginner teachers that didn't really have a lot of knowledge. They wanted to get their foot in. But now it's actually quite experienced teachers, if not really experienced teachers, teaching at the gyms. So why go to a studio and pay a whole lot more when you can get the same offering at the gym and get a whole lot more as well for for your money, it's also there's a there's a a ceiling to it. You can only run so many classes, and you're going to have so many people in those classes. Whereas a virtual class or a virtual business, you don't have that ceiling. You know, I can have any amount number of people in my master classes or even in my training, 
it's you know this is how it works and um they the studios i think they missed that op- that opportunity of like teaching yoga as a full system and differentiating themselves if it used to happen it's sort of gone now because people just go for the lowest hanging fruit which is the fitness exercise stretchy bendy fancy pants poses sort of thing and people get upset when i say that but if you look in reality and you look at any class in pretty much any studio and the class is an hour how long is the physical part 50 minutes 55 50 minutes <laughs> it's black and white right if they were using an offering to transform lives they would be doing pranayama they would be doing kriya they would be doing meditation you know equally through there and some studios do that, but the vast, vast majority just go for that lowest hanging fruit and they just go for the fitness market. Yeah, I um, I totally agree. And that it's, yeah, 55 minutes, I'm pretty sure. It's usually how much asana is in an hour-long class at any studio I've been to. Um, one of the questions that just popped into my mind that's not in my notes um, is teachers, I've been speaking to quite a few teachers who have been teaching online recently, and they've expressed that they think going online has enabled them to add in more of the other elements of the practice, the pranayama, the meditation. Um, And you're saying like studio models kind of like missed the boat on that. Do you see like a resurgence of that way of teaching as a more holistic system now that people are online? Or do you think it will be replicated online like the 55 minutes to an hour of asana? I think in the evolution of yoga that people are looking more than just a physical offering. So they get the benefits out of the physical offering. People think I'm against asana. Of course I'm not. It's part of the system, it's a tool to live your highest human possibility. That's what yoga is for. And so people are looking for more than just a fix for their body. They get that fix, they get flexible, they get stronger, but they still have the same problems. I have the same problems, I'm just more flexible now. Right, yeah. and I've reduced some stress, and it's all good. But how do I then have you know more stable happiness? You know, how do I tap into a purpose? How do I? How am I able to have more inner peace in my life? How am I able to access insight and inspiration? And that's what yoga does. That's what it was designed to do. It was designed for samadhi. Right, samadhi meaning that you are tapping into a greater intelligence. And it's such a beautiful, incredible system that's very simple because all yoga says is that that happens when your consciousness, your awareness is free of riti. So every day if you can learn riti meaning mental activity, if you can learn to stop the mind, to still the mind and sit in awareness, then insight and inspiration will start coming into your life. And then it's a matter of trusting that and taking it into life. And if we have properly educated teachers to the full system, I believe that yoga teachers can be at the tipping point of transformation, health and well-being on the planet rather than being fitness instructors. I heard you mention that on one of your videos, and it was it was a pretty inspiring statement, actually, because it elevates what a yoga teacher can be um, and their role and the the impact that they can create if they are looking at it, you know, beyond a being a fitness teacher. Um, so I really appreciate your your 
viewpoint on that and expressing that and and sort of giving teachers something that they can actually aspire to? Yeah. And Corey, if you look at just, you know, the Yoga Sutras in the first four, it encapsulates everything. And the, that first one, Atta Yoga Nusasanam, Patanjali starts with this word Atta. And <laughs> they say, it often gets translated wrong, like now the authority text on yoga, now yoga begins. But why start with this word Atta just to say now this starts? The correct translation of that is now is the teaching of yoga. In the now is yoga. And so then it says, yoga, chitta vritti narodaha. So in the now occurs, now occurs when your consciousness is free of mental activity. And it's very simple. If you stopped all of your thought right now, like no thought, what's left? Now. And you're open to life. You meet life without resistance. That is inclusion. That is yoga. It means inclusion, including everything. And when you're able to be there, it says then you're establishing your true nature, true nature, which is unbounded consciousness, unlimited potential and possibility, life meeting life. That's tantra. And this is what we have available to us. And it's not hard. It's not hard. You don't have to sit for 12 years in a cave. You don't have to sit for multiple long sessions of meditation, fighting through pain. It's boom, it can happen like that. Just learn to stop the vritti. That's it, done. <laughs> and, you, and then you are engaged in life. Beautiful. Um, so for teachers listening who are like nodding their heads in everything that you're saying about, you know, not want not wanting to be just fitness instructors and and looking for a different way um, of just teaching at studios because you know that was sort of shaken up for for teachers everywhere in the last couple of months and they've sort of been forced into adopting like an entrepreneurial mindset whether they were ready to do that or not um, but for teachers who are sort of just starting out on that like maybe um, you know pre lockdown pre-closures they were teaching like full-time in a studio and so for the last couple of months they've had this wake-up call and they're starting to understand the things that you're saying about you know things are moving online and I actually don't don't want to work in a studio model as like a fitness instructor I want to actually create a career and a livelihood and a business out of this that person who's just starting what advice would you give them about like what is the most important thing they should do in the beginning you've got to understand that to create a business online is no different to creating a business offline where if you've got a bricks and mortar yoga studio there's a lot of processes and procedures need to be in place there's a lot of elements there's a lot of components that all need to happen to be a successful flourishing yoga studio you can't just do you know, like you'll see lots of stuff on there for $97 or even like $497 where we give you a 21-day um, challenge and you'll have your business set up. It's BS, <laughs> right? And, and it's so easy to get enticed by that in the fancy marketing. It's not that. It's hard work, right? It's consistent effort and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. If you want to stand out in the market, first of all, you have to have a strong position. 
because it's busy as well. You can't just run Zoom classes. Like everyone just jumped on Zoom, right? And then you're in the same position as before, saturated, competing with everybody else. You need to have a complete system that you can leverage and scale. It needs to have all the components in it. And you need, first of all, to be able to like stand out, like to cut through all the noise so that you're solving what we call the bleeding neck problem, right, that your particular clients have. And it can work in any particular niche. But the important thing is you can't be vanilla. You can't be uh, like in the apathy zone, mediocre, because you'll never get anywhere. You have to take a strong position. And when you take a strong position, you're calling out your audience and you'll also create revulsion in the other direction. But you want that because you, you, you don't want those people in your program. Now, when you take that strong position, you've got to be able to sit in the fire because these days the way it works with trolls and unkind people, let's just call it that, uh, like on a global line, they, they can be quite mean. And you've got to be able to sit in that and respond in a way non-reactive and that sort of thing, but know who your audience is. And I would say that that's super important, like to understand, you know, what your gifts are, who you serve, and, you know, what is it that you provide for them? And just be very clear on being consistent in your message across. And I always say pick one platform first. Like where does your audience mostly hang out? And value. So, you know, if you look at Instagram, it's like a, it's like a reality TV show. Like so pick your show. Like we do that in YouTube and YouTube's like a sitcom. It's longer, you know, it's like a 20-minute, half-hour, hour sort of thing. And you're doing like those once a week. And then we do Instagram, but it's like a reality TV show. We, we educate people to our life. We show them our life, what we're doing, how we create it. And, you know, if you like to um, write, then do it as a podcast. If you like to speak like this, do it as audio. But find something that suits you, know what your message is and provide value to your particular audience. And then you have to understand that there's a number of components. So you need to know who your perfect client is matched to your skills. You need to be able to create offers, irresistible offers. You need to then get your, that irresistible offer and present it in front of your audience. Then you need to be able to create a platform where they can go onto your trainings and they have a red carpet experience. You know, ha- need to ha- know how to do sales. You need to know how to create a business through advertising, primarily Facebook ads, you need to know your numbers. If you don't know your numbers, you don't have a business. So there's a lot of components into it, but you absolutely need all of those components to be successful. You can't just have one or two pieces. And it is hard work. It's consistent. But the rewards of impact and profits are, you know, through the roof if you're willing to do it. Yeah, I I'm resonate. <laughs> I resonate so much with what you've just said. It's like, um, I, I have like a, a small group of yoga teachers that we're all sort of working on this together. And exactly what you've just said is the message that I'm trying to get out to them is like, if you're wondering why your Zoom classes aren't filling, there's a lot more, you know, to it than that. We need to look at who you're serving and what problem you're solving. And, and um, yeah, you're totally, totally speaking my language. There's a, there's an idea out there and I hear a lot of people talk about it and I have thoughts on it, but I would, I'd love to know what you think about finding your niche and like 
do teachers need to find their niche or do you phrase it in a different way? And, and either way, how do how does someone go about doing that? How do they actually start to find that something that people talk to me about all the time? And I was just wondering what you, I don't know what your thoughts are. Yes, you absolutely need your uh, niche and you need to take a strong position like we were mentioning before within that niche. Like the super niches, health, wealth and relationships, you can't go that broad, but you've got to look at one of those and then sub-niche down. So let's say I go in health and then I sub-niche into yoga teachers. Well, that's not good enough either anymore. So I used to target yoga teachers because I was going into doing, you know, education and training. So now I, my niche is yoga entrepreneurs. And so there's not really anyone doing that specifically yoga entrepreneurs. So now actually my the mega uh, niche is wealth. So I'm working with yoga entrepreneurs and helping them build wealth. Now, now that's kind of cool because in reality, if we get down to it and we're really real, yoga teachers want more money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> right? We want a lot more money, right? We're sick of teaching 20 classes a week just to pay the bills, right? Running all over town, just stuck in another version of nine to five we tried to escape to start with. It, it's We want to do that. And then? The next message is, well, you've got all that money, okay, make an impact, right? But to get that money, you've got to build your personal power, and that's what the game is. So that's kind of how I work within that. But you absolutely need to do that, and you need to be in the conversations that your clients are having. Because oftentimes we do this thing and we use industry speak or we, we talk about what we think would be useful, but it's not getting anywhere. It doesn't get any traction because you're not in the conversations that your niche is having. And you need to know what those conversations are. You need to know their pain points. You need to know their hopes and desires. You need to know all of that sort of stuff. And another big mistake people make in their marketing is they just talk about their features, right? So I run a nine-month course and you do Zoom classes, you get coaching, you know, three or four times a week. You've got an online practice library. But it's boring, right? People don't care about that. They, want it, they, they, they care about what's in it for me. So they want to know the benefits. Now, you've got to talk about the feature, but then all the benefits, and you've got to paint a vivid picture for it, and you've got to bring emotionality in it to it because people buy based on emotion, most people. There's a whole lot of elements that need to be in there. Even when you decide you know your niche, you've got to be in the conversation and you've got to speak to them in a way where they're tapping into their emotion, and you've got to do it almost in a way where they'd be crazy not to take up your offer. And there's a whole science behind how to do that properly. You see where I'm leading to? There's just so many elements that are important. That's why I tried to do it myself to start with, and I was going nowhere. I was tearing my hair out and trying to build numbers on social media. I was trying to get a message, and I just wasn't getting any traction. And then I realized that same thing. Okay, I wanted to learn the real yoga, so I went to the gurus. I want to learn real business. I'm going to go to the business gurus, and that changed everything. You know, I probably spent 200 grand in the last five years getting coached in how to do that properly. And then I just share everything into the yoga market that I've learned, what was useful, the mistakes that, that people don't have to go through, uh, etc. But yes, if we loop it back around, yes, you have to have a niche. You have to have a position and you need to own that niche. When you say strong position, Mark, what do you, what do you mean by that exactly? Well, if I'm targeting yoga entrepreneurs, again, I talk about like how to make money online. 
like yoga and money, the perfect combination. Right? So I'm very clearly speaking that out. And that is like yoga and money, it, it pisses off a bunch of people off, yoga, right? So, but they're never going to spend the money. So I don't want them in the program. I want people that understand that that's very important. And I also want them to understand that yoga is inclusive of all life. And so money's part of life. So how can you exclude it? Right? And when people get that, then I, then they get me and then there are right people coming into the course. And I'm also speaking to, now if you're a yoga teacher and you don't have an idea for an online course and you don't have that work ethic and you don't have that entrepreneurial mindset, yeah, this is not right for you um, because I'm not going to hold your hand and babysit you, you know, all the way through. Uh, I'm there for people that have an idea, that have a business idea, that have that entrepreneurial mindset, that are willing to work hard to create the life that they want for them and, them, and their family. So you, you have to be very clear and you have to be willing to, you know, uh, push away the other half. But if I talk to yoga teachers and say, oh, I'm running this program so that you can, you know, you can run, you know, digital online courses, then I'll get a bunch of people that want to do that but don't have the work ethic and they don't have the tech or they, they don't have they don't have the um they don't have an idea for a course and then they want me to give them the idea to build it for them to show them how to do it to every step of the way and it's ah oh, it's incredibly frustrating <laughs> yeah what, what do you think about mindset so i'm i've been thinking a lot about how like Okay. You and I don't know each other super well, so I'll give you a tiny bit of backstory so that maybe the question lands a little bit better. So I, for some reason, just, you know, who I am as an individual have sort of always been entrepreneurial. I started holding events when I was like five years old and charging my neighbors a dollar to attend my events. And and I've continued that way my entire my entire life. I've had very few jobs. I've always been self-employed and, and a business person. So because it's something that is natural to me, um, I struggle with how to teach people an entrepreneurial mindset. So do you think people can learn that? Like if they are they are in an employee mindset, but they say they want to have their own business, but you know, you or I could could say, okay, well, there's some mindset shifts we have to go through to get you into the place where you, you know you're speaking of. Like, do you have books or recommendations or people that you've worked with that have helped you make that shift, and or do you think it can be learned like a skill to develop that mindset? It can be learned, but there has to be a line that you draw. So, for example, when I bring people into the program, they actually pay to come on a call with me, a strategy call. So they're not free. The money is 100% refundable, but they have to make a financial commitment to actually go on a call. So that in a start clears a lot of people away. So then people that do come, they've made some commitment to it. And then really the sales call is not about sales. I don't have a sales team. I'm not interested in people just you know, working hard to sell people into the program. I want to know that they're right. So really, I'm just prescribing. I'm just talking to them and understanding them to see if it's right for them. And really, that's all 
about because if I get to a point where I feel like oh, I'm going to have to work too hard for this person, I can see their hearts in it, but they just don't have the mindsets. And I can see that it's going to take a long time for them to probably get those mindsets. I'm going to say, you know, with kindness, this is not the right program for you at this time. You know, maybe come back in the year, go and look at this stuff and come back into it. So can it be learned? Yes. You'll see some people that are very passionate about it and they'll go, I'll do whatever it takes, right? And I'll take responsibility. Like, okay. All right. I get that you don't have a lot of experience yet, but I like where you're coming from. And in that conversation, I'm very likely to bring them into the program, right? Because, look, you know, the thing is too, I, we, we're, I'm almost obsessive in my team about the people coming into the program being successful. So we want your business up and launched, um, running your live webinars or video sales, whatever, live webinars, having your platform built, having it automated and money coming in. Right? and understanding and refining your market and your niche and your business. So I'm very selective and it really just depends on the conversation. Obviously, some people like you, they just have it. So it's a no-brainer for them to come into the program. But a lot of yoga teachers don't have any entrepreneurial skills. Right? I know, I know. Skills. Now, there's a difference between not having any of that and having no clue right and not having any of that but really passionate and willing to learn and take responsibility for that learning curve that's two very different conversations so yeah and everyone's not built to be an entrepreneur they're just not so um yeah you you have to know the right people coming into into your program otherwise you regret it if you just take the money you'll regret it yeah, I am. Um, I've been I've been reflecting on that a lot because there are people in my in my life who I'm very very close to, and they've either tried to have their own business and decided that employment was better for them, or um, are in a really steady stable job but wanting their own business. And I'm um, thinking I think there's some some mindset shifts that would be helpful before you went into being um, self employed or or running a business. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to start to find some resources for folks. Cause I know that there are a lot of teachers out there who, who want to make that transition, but perhaps they've only been employees or they've only been working for studios and they just don't even don't know how to make that journey from that mindset to, to something where you, you know, you're building something and creating something. So yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. And you've got to do all that work to begin with, but like there's three things that are really, really important. You've when you're running a business, you've got to have your processes and procedures in place. So everything that you do more than once, you create a process and procedure, and it's all documented. So that as you do that over time, then you can outsource. So a lot of the tactical work, which is just you know the the day to day bits and pieces work that is kind of low level and not paying a high hourly rate, you can outsource all of that work to other people so that you, as a business owner, you think you're a yoga teacher, but when you're an entrepreneur, your main job is sales, marketing, content, and strategy (laughs) because you have to drive that. And it's not just about like 
you've got to have a good, good product, but a good product without having any, you know, marketing and sales process in place and, and all of that, you're not going to go anywhere. So you want to document all of that so then you can outsource it so you can just stay in those elements and then you need to know how you can get a consistent stream of traffic. Those things are like really, really um, important for them. Once you can have that, then you can automate your business and then and then you're able to leverage it because then you can go from like when we open up our sales, we do six figures a month consistently. We'll take it into seven figures next year. Like before that, I was running two trainings a year and I'd make about six figures, right? And that, you know, that's pretty cruisy life. But now that's, <laughs> I don't even think, like to do that, now I do that monthly and it's easy. And now I think, well, seven figures is going to be easy as well. It's just about leveraging the business and having a team to support the process. When you say leveraging, what do you mean by that? Leveraging just means that um, you have the people in place, the processes and procedures and the team in place so that you're able to do the sales, do the strategy, bring more people into the funnel, um, get a constant stream of traffic because it's just a numbers game and that's why you need to know your numbers. A lot of people just throw money at Facebook ads but they don't know what they're doing, they don't know what they look at and you're just throwing money at the wall and hoping something sticks. I mean because this is one of the common things people do is that they they go on Instagram, they might have lots of followers and, and please remember like audience listening Lots of followers doesn't mean that there's anything getting monetized, right? You can have lots of followers, but typically what a yoga teacher does is they'll be in a beautiful location doing a pose in a sunset in their bikini um, and they'll uh, they'll say, you know, um, please PM me if you want to work with me. (laughs) And And that's their strategy. Right, so they get lots of followers, and they think, "Oh, if I get lots of followers, then I just go, I'll oh, just PM PM me if you want to work with me." It's like, good luck with that, and that's a common strategy. Yeah, I've been I've been trying to communicate as best I can to people that I know who are making that transition from working for a studio to realizing that they have a business on their hands. Is that you don't the size of your following on social media is not the driving factor to whether or not you can run a successful business. It's like you need to be able to to have a way to communicate with your audience and with your people, but you can do that, you know, with a, with a smaller following. It's not a direct correlation between, um, you know, how many followers you have and how much revenue you can generate or, or how much of a successful business you can run. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yes. But once you do it properly, there is roughly a direct correlation. So it should be like for every person you have, like say on your list, um, on your newsletter, phone number, that you should make a dollar for every person on your list per month. So if you had a thousand people on your list, if you're marketing properly, you should be making a thousand dollars a month based on that list. If you've got 10,000, if you've got a hundred thousand, you should be making a hundred thousand a month off that list. So in that way, it correlates when it's done properly where you have your message and you're providing value. And you also have to understand that when you're doing social media, 
your messaging is very different for what you would call your cold audience, your warm audience, and your hot audience, and your call to action is different as well. And so, and the way that you do your heading so that it's searchable and delivers is super, super important. And there's a science behind that as well. It's like yoga is a science. There's a science to live the best version of yourself, but there's also a science to sales and there's a science to digital sales and how to do that. And you've got to know that. You said, you mentioned earlier that you've invested in learning business the way you've invested in learning yoga. And would you be willing to share like any of the most influential teachers that you've had in the business side of your journey or any um, courses or books that you've read that you found really, really impactful, like especially for people listening who are just thinking about being a business person for the first time. And they're like, okay, 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 I get it. I get it. I need to learn this stuff. Um, but what, what's really helped you in that process? Um, I, I just go into, I find a coach, I research it, connect with them, speak to them. And then if it feels right, I just go straight into their high-end mastermind. So in that high-end mastermind, you're getting, you know, high-level strategy for your business, whether it's, you know, refining and optimizing your funnel, um, getting clear on your message and your framework, like that side of things. And usually there for a year, those programs, and, you know, I continue on. The main, like Alex Jeffries, who's a British guy that lives in San Diego, uh, I worked with him for maybe 18 months and that was really about selling a high-ticket offering and being able to set up your funnel and do all that correctly. Since then, my coach is a guy called Pen Jung and he's probably like the Anthony, <laughs> he wouldn't like me saying it, but he's like the Anthony Robbins in Asia. And uh, he's, he's awesome. Uh, his way of, um, his ability to create content and value and high-level strategy and messaging is awesome. It's a great platform off Alex. Uh, Alex provided a really good foundation, and now this is kind of the rocket fuel um, working with um, Pen Jung. And, of course, our stuff's very interrupted because a lot of my coaching is um, face-to-face events with him. And so that's been run virtual, and it all, it all happen when it opens up, but it's a very different thing. And I think... You know, you want to go for kind of um, people that have been there, done that, and in, at a high level, at a successful level. That's who you want to look for because there's tons of offerings for $97, as I mentioned before, uh, online. And really, like $97, you get what you pay for, right? So they can be useful as things to understand a process, but you need to have someone to link all those processes together in a way that is a strategy, it's beneficial, it's unified and all of that stuff. Um, it's an incredible way. Like if you – I've seen Pen Jung, um, you know, run a virtual event and, you know, make in that hour and a half, you know, make like, you know, seven figures plus. I mean, where else do you do that? I mean, speaking from stage, it's the same. Where else in two hours can you make – six figures, seven figures for a two-hour talk. If you understand how to do, the most important thing is your offer. 
right? You can do an ordinary talk, but if you have a great offer, an irresistible offer, amazing. But if you have a great, great presentation and people can see knowledge and experience, but you have a weak offer, you know, people will fall by the wayside of potentially coming into your program. So that office site thing is really important. So I spent a lot of time learning and getting educated in the offer, how to make it irresistible. Um, but, but, of course, when people come into the program, you have to provide that value. It can't be a lie. And there's lots of sleazy marketing out there, right? But we tend to think most yoga people, that's not going to happen, but it does happen in the yoga industry as well. But you've got to provide that value. And, in fact, we over-deliver when, when people come into the programs. We, we way over-deliver. And so in the end, you get incredible case studies and testimonials, which backs up, you know, everything that you're doing in your, uh, in your offer. But that, that's a really important part um, of it. And books, there's a book just at the moment called um, The Buddha and the Badass, <laughs> and it's the guy that started Mind Valley. And it's awesome because it's really timely for what I'm doing with my students and yoga teachers out there because he's a high-level guy and what now it, it's widely being accepted is taking spiritual values and practices into the business world. And then if you do that, you can be more successful. So the Buddha is the guy that is authentic, that's inclusive, that is speaking about, you know, higher, higher values and higher, you know, service and ideas and visions that benefit others. And then the badass is the guy that's able to hustle and create offers and um, do all the business side of things and work hard and make it happen. So when you can combine those two together, it's magic. It's kaboom. And so that's a great book because it combines what we do, our spiritual aspect, into the business side. And uh, a book, Ready, Fire, Aim. I can't remember the author's name, but where a lot of people get caught up in is that they get caught up in perfectionism. They get caught up in building, 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 creative, 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 but never actually launching. And ready, it's usually ready, aim, fire, right? But ready, fire, aim is like get ready. Like if you're going to create an eight-week course, get three modules ready, right, and then fire. And then from there, learn, listen to your market, listen to their objections, and create content that overcomes the objections, close the gaps, and then fire again. Because the most people that are most successful in the world, they implement fast, they learn from it, and they implement again. They learn fast, they implement. They overcome objections, implement again. And this is what you want to get in the habit of. It's not like Field of Dreams where build it and they will come. <laughs> not that. If you build it, they won't come. They'll only come if you're speaking their language, if you're solving their problems, if you're overcoming their objections. And the cool thing is when you're doing um, your sales copy, you, the biggest mistake that people make is that they teach. They teach for the sake of teaching. And I did that for a lot of years. And I thought because I had high-level information that I would convert a lot. But people don't care about your teaching. They only care what's in it for them. And so the teaching is really about overcoming objections. Like all, like when I do my masterclasses, it's about overcoming objections. And so I learn what are the objections for the vehicle that I'm presenting. So I teach people how to explore their yoga business online by creating best-selling virtual events. So the 
the vehicle is virtual events. And so my teaching is how to, is really objections to that. Oh, I don't have any tech experience. Oh, I've never done anything digital. I don't know how to, I'm not confident in expressing my voice. So my teaching is overcoming those objections. And then there's the internal objection, right? Oh, you can do that, Mark, because you've got all the experience and you've got yoga knowledge and business stuff, um, but I'd never be able to do that. So then you have to overcome those objections because this is what people are thinking when you're doing a presentation in sales. And then you overcome the external objection. It might be, oh, this is all, all great, but my husband won't support me or I don't have the money at the moment or whatever it might be. So you're overcoming those objections all the time so that when you get to the offer, you've over, already overcome all the objections to actually going into it. So it's like, okay, well, there's, there's no reason why I shouldn't and people jump in. Mark, just being aware of time, is there anything like final thoughts that you would like to share with people who are in that process of, of sort of, you know, shifting into an entrepreneurial mindset as a yoga teacher, anything that you think we've sort of opened, but haven't wrapped up or something that you think is important that we just haven't touched on yet? Not really. It's just to encapsulate it. It's just to say that uh, entrepreneurial, as you know, is hard work. And so you've got to love what you're doing. You've got to be really passionate about what you're doing. Um, you've got to be wanting to deliver impact and really help people in the world. Um, if you do it just because it's a money idea, don't because you'll be miserable really quickly. Uh, it requires a lot of effort and work. And even when you're able to scale it and leverage it and just do the strategy work, most entrepreneurs still love to keep working and because it's passion. So if you're going to go in that direction, make sure that that's in place. Make sure that you understand, you know, who it is that you want to serve, like you were mentioning, who you want to serve, right, and how you're going to do that. And then be educated correctly. Spend the money, spend the, do the investment to do it properly rather than do it, you know, bits and pieces, piecemeal, because you'll end up spending more in the long run anyway. And if you set it up properly with the right people, then you can monetize very quickly. You can. The cool thing about online education is you can make your investment back very quickly, very quickly if you do it properly. But yes, be educated uh, in the right way to do that. And I think if you are entrepreneurial, go for it because there's never been an opportunity better. Uh, for forever where you can reach a global audience and you can do it cheaply still cheap through facebook ads and all those sorts of things you know two dollar leads three dollar leads where have you ever been able to do that before and, and and be very targeted you can target and speak to exactly who you need to speak to it's so cool it's such a wonderful opportunity not only to change your life and have abundance but to create that impact but i also say learn to if you know that you have limitation in your life if you know that you get stuck then you need to use a proper model of yoga to be able to um, start clearing that out and you know step into your authority tap into your genius and when you combine those two together you're unstoppable and i'd like to see many unstoppable yoga teachers <laughs> yeah yoga. me too could you finish this sentence for us if you really knew me you would know if you really knew me you would know god 
because this is what we're all striving for, and this is what yoga says. Beyond the vrittis, uh, when you stop that, you recognize everything is just one unified field. It's God. <laughs> if God's an issue for you, then fill in whatever you want. Right? Buddha, Wonka Tonka, the dreaming, the Tao. If you knew me, if you truly knew who I was, you would know God. And the same, if you truly knew who you were, you would know God. And that is the teaching of yoga, right? That it's just one unified field, and it's only the mind that creates separation. It's only the human intellect that divides things. When you take the dividers away, you take the separation away, you come back into inclusion, and you come back to God. And then the idea is then to bring that back through your system into life. Mark, for people who are curious about where they can find you and perhaps um, where they can work with you if you have any programs coming up, um, could you just fill in the listener about like your website and your social media and the best way to connect with you at the moment? Yes. My, my site is yogacoach.com. We really don't communicate the programs too deeply there because we do it through um, master classes so the next one that i have on how to explode your yoga business online is uh the 20th of this month and i think the 25th and you know we make an offer at the end of that full transparency we do an hour of like i mean really great value and at the end we make an offer so if you're interested you'll see the offer at the end and we we run meditation teacher training we run a thing called dream wild we have a lot of online offerings so if you're interested, you can hit us up on teachertraining at yogacoach.com. And if you have any questions around that, we can point you and you can book a call. If you're interested, you can book a call, a strategy call, or you can go, we'll point you in the direction and connect you into the next um, masterclasses. And from there, you can make choices or decisions if it feels like it resonates with you. Cool. Um, and what's your Instagram, Mark, if people just want to creep on you um, that way? I think it's mark.bredner. I think it is too. Christina does it all right. <laughs> yeah, cool. We should give a shout out to Christina um, on the podcast. Um, what, hold on. What's Christina's Instagram? We should shout out her actual one too. Christina.arengo.yoga. Cool. Awesome. Um, and I'll, I'll link, I'll link both of you in the show notes as well. Um, and Christina helped us organize this. So just wanted to make sure she got a, she got yeah. a mention as well. She does a lot of one-on-one uh, -on -one, uh, coaching as well, which I don't do, but she does a lot of um, this system and works with people one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I just, can I just ma make another comment? Yeah, totally. You know, a lot of, a lot of you online here, you'll see, you know, teachers like Sadhguru and Ramdev. Right, Ram Dev, incredibly humble guy, and but has a they talk about a billion dollar empire, you know, from Ayurveda. Right? And if you ask him, you've got all this wealth, he says, I own nothing, right? I own nothing, but he just provides service, you know, and he does it a lot to the lower classes, they love him, and he has a mass audience. And so, with that money, whatever he chooses, he can have an incredible impact. Same with Sadhguru, you know, he's changing things on a global level, he's touching in with uh, the world leaders, the celebrities, the elite athletes, because he says if you can change, they're the people that impact the world. If you can change their heart 5%, you can impact millions of people. 
And I also want you to understand, like if you look at Sadhguru, he has a probably a army of Indian IT experts <laughs> that are putting his message across, and he's changing up India in a big way. But we can also teach you what happened when they started, how they started that empire. If you try to mimic them now, it's not going to happen. But if you understand the beginning stages of that and how you can build that for yourself, um, that's what you want. And it's totally possible because those guys started it as humble swamis. It's just that they had a powerful message. And if you have that, you become magnetizing. If you become magnetizing, your impact increases. If your impact increases, your profits increase. And I'll leave it there. Cool. Mark, I appreciate your time and and your insight into how yoga and business, you know, aren't so different or aren't uh, incompatible. So thank you so much for sharing that. And um, yeah, I appreciate your time coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Teaching Yoga. To get full transcripts and links for all of the resources we discuss in this show, get yourself on the newsletter at corajeru.com slash newsletter. That's C-O-R-A-G-E-R-O-U-X dot com slash newsletter. You don't keep it real and you go somewhere but here cause you know we're only losing control just for a minute. Oh. If you don't like this music, then don't be listening to it you know i'm just a dude that you know or something similar if you don't keep it real can you go somewhere but here cause you know we're only losing control just for a minute oh 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 oh